You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with the fall guy. What are you doing later? Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes. Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Nope. Because I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th, hosted by Kevin Hart. The seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from Blue Nile. From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need a fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you're here in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is and not uh, as simple you know, I, as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened so, up so many more doors. The show is called The, the deal. deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. Hey, White Sox fans, guess what? It's been a month. Just figured out it's been a month since I've been able to talk to you. Your favorite White Sox fan, I'm Brett Ballantini. We're doing pod- podcasts are back. It's 2022. We had enough. We hit our quota. SB Nation said, you've sold too many products for us. We have sold too many ads through your multiple podcasts, 60, 70, 150, whatever they were. You got to just shut it down for December. All right. <laughs> I'm a dutiful worker. So yes, we shut it down. We're back one month after our last one's number 78. And we're going to kick 2020 off. Oh, it's going to be a fun one with, oh my gosh, probably. Hey, let's just face it. He's, he's my favorite guy here. You might think <laughs> I've said that before, but so maybe I'm lying about somebody. I don't know, but it's a meet the players podcast. And it's with one of my one of our newest team members, and like I said, one of my very favorites. He's a jack of all trades. It's Adrian Serrano. Thank you for taking time out of your busy 2022, Adrian, to join me. Yeah, uh, enjoying this weather, frigid as you, uh, <laughs> we expect in January. Um, but yeah, yeah, I like to think of myself as a five-tool player. <laughs> and and you know the, the nice part is you're appearing uh, for those watching. You know, again, count on one hand, but those watching. Still just two layers. So you're bucking up pretty tough despite how cold it is outside. Still celebrating a little saxophone. Not bad either. Always, uh, okay. Until there's no grievances left to. Uh... Oh, yeah. Well, we'll get to that. That might be in the second half. But uh, yes, as you alluded, five to a player. He's writing humor. He's doing coverage. He's doing analysis. He's doing some interesting insight, column type stuff, uh, if you will. Jumped right into podcast, no fear. And like he's, you know, I think he might, he might actually be rooming with me. I got to check the house. It's a big house. I'm going to check all the rooms. He might be around because he's just, he always pops up and there's a podcast and even art, including, he's basically done all of our t shirts at Southside Hit Pen. Check it out, T Public Store, including the socks of us kicking it off. Uh, and I appreciate that because that's an effort that sort of came out of like, geez, I didn't even expect it from you, Adrian. And, uh, and and you were there. Do you have any sort of art background? You know, what's where, where does this come from? Yeah, so I used to, I went to school initially for graphic design and that kind of just ended up falling apart. So then I got into print for a while um, and, uh, you know, did that for a while too. So like 
it's always been a background. I like to create just in general, like uh, do artistic things, just however it be, music, art, whatever. So it kind of all kind of came together in a weird way. I didn't expect it to, you know, be necessarily for a White Sox blog that I would be as <laughs> doing art for. But um, yeah, no, it's just fun. It's fun to just grab a thread and go wherever it takes me. Um, so. Well, and the door was wide open. I'm glad you walked in because it wasn't like a lot of people were beating down the door to say, hey, let's put together some stuff for Southside Sox. All right, we're going to get to some of your your uh, your, your the, the back of the baseball card stats uh, maybe in the second half here. Let's uh, jump off, I suppose, to begin with the first half of this and really play off of the Meet the Players, which is running alongside for the first time. It hasn't been up yet. Uh, we're running it uh, for the first time alongside this podcast. Uh, so check that out. We're going to touch on some of that stuff. Um, is there a uh, is there any particular affili- uh, affinity for Brian Anderson? Or are you just just simply as a fan still waiting for him to hit? Um, yeah, I mean, I think Brian Anderson is just one of those guys as a White Sox fan that, you know, epitomizes the we're one guy away we got the next guy you know josh fegley is gonna be that guy you know um it's just like there's always been that guy you know like until this recent team like we finally have tim anderson who's been a guy come up through our own system as supposed to be the guy that actually looks to be the guy you know like so like you know the brian andersons i i Playfully, I like to call myself a uh, Diane Visaedo truther, and I uh, <laughs> I take the victory lap on that because he's got you know some 400 home runs if you add up all the leagues he's played in across the you know the world. So like those are professional leagues in Japan. And that. So, like he he definitely has the the ability. He just never put it together in the uh, the U.S. So, <clears throat> boy, his debut, Adrian. I was on the beat when he made his debut. And I think he was in Seattle. And man, he cracked a couple, I think in game, I don't think it was bad in practice. It just made you think, wait a minute. Now, of course, you don't want to hype it too much. Like, oh, this is Frank Thomas or this is Dick Allen. But boy, he had a crack of the bat and some line drives that made you think, wow. Um, you know, the, the hype was legit. And the fact that he was pounding it in the minors and the Sox was mm-hmm. keeping him down all that year just yeah. sort of increased the hunger. Like, man, why isn't this guy up to see what he can do? Because the guys we got aren't doing anything. So uh, as a truther, all right, I can. I can sort of get behind that. Um, all right. Uh, most, I think the most uh, thrilling moment as a Sox fan, you identified Scotty Pods with the walk-off homework. Take me back to uh, where you're at for the 2005 World Series, your confidence level, uh, all that stuff, because you can never revisit and enjoy the 2005 World Series enough. No, yeah, no, it's definitely something you're going to remember forever. Um, I just remember being like on edge for, you know, that entire, like, for a team that lost one game in that entire run, which is ridiculous, like my heart remembers that like we were one pitch away from the whole thing falling apart the entire time. So like literally living and dying every pitch, feeling like, all right, it's all going to, you know, they're going to take this away from us at the end, right? At You know, White Sox fans don't get <laughs> World Series championships. Um, so just kind of that feeling throughout the whole thing. But yeah, I can just like close my eyes and still uh, remember, um, you know, McCarver talking about Pujols hitting that homer off of Brad Lidge and like how he is mentally and like, you know what, he's, uh, he's, you know, that taste is out of his mouth, you know, like it's, he's moved on already and literally like not even 10 seconds later (laughs) that a guy with one home run (laughs) here takes him into right center. Uh, And that was just, uh, that was, you know, that was the year, like everything just kind of came together for them. And that was, you know, right in there for it like you know definitely don't get there without a lot of other things happening right but like as they were going to find a way to make that happen regardless yeah you touched on adrian uh i remember going to the playoffs saying i just want i want the white Sox to win all i was just focused on boston i want the white Sox to win a playoff series which had never mm-hmm. happened in my lifetime which stretches even longer than yours and you know that that was my that was my expectation of course you want to win a world series i think you touched on it the idea that the White Sox could sort of come out of nowhere, you know, they had a decent mm-hmm. 2004 and it fell off because of the injury to Maglio, but, and Frank, but uh, to like go from zero to a, a title and the way they did it, you know, uh, uh, first, first game to last game of the season, never, ever being out of first place, uh, basically never being out of a comfortable position aside from the LCS when they're down one and then sort of the, the, the miracle evening of that series. Uh, so I, you know, you, you hit it there. It's like, 
you're waiting for something to go wrong. And the fact that the series yeah. was so tight uh, played into that. Uh, some of the people on site who make fun of me, I have this managerial war that I try to come up with. And I think somebody made offhand a comment like, oh yeah, Ozzy's uh, managerial war was really great in that series. And the truth is, that's spot on. You take away the first Boston game, which was the, the route. Mm-hmm. I think the other 10 wins were by, I think a total of, I added it up like 18 or 22 runs. It was like nothing. It was like their yeah. average win was like a run or two a game. And, exa- and in that Boston series, like if Al Duque doesn't do whatever he does magical to get out of that, like maybe Boston comes back and wins that series. You know, that's could go, could have gone either way. That was a really good Boston team, you know, and like uh, they snuck up on him in the first game, but like, yeah, definitely could have went another way if that magical didn't happen. And then it kind of, set the tone for the rest of the playoffs that like, this is kind of something's happening here. That's just, everything is working for this team. You know, lose, they lost Frank Thomas in that season too. You're like, all right, it's going to be tough to replace that. And you know, then turned out they didn't need him. Well, even in the current playoffs, you know, we, we, we went game to game. Of course it was mostly depressing in that playoff, but you saw how things can change in just one game, even even if they win that Boston series, but it takes them four games or maybe it takes them five games that changes the complexion of the rest. First of all, we can't brag about being 11 and one and all that, but but, you know, it, it definitely changes the complexion of things. And Angels probably come in with some sort of an advantage, or at least it's more yeah. uh, it's more even going in. And, you know, who knows? White Sox without the experience, hey, you know, maybe they don't. You forget, too, that was a really good Angels team mm-hmm. at the time, too. Like, it's kind of lost with uh, time how good, uh, just because, like, you, the Yankees and the Red Sox were always so good throughout that period, you know. So, like, we kind of remember them as being better. But that Angels team was very, very good with Mike Sosha. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Uh, okay. I get Eloy. Uh, I get Ron Ventura. I get Juan Uribe because a man's a folk hero, let's face it. But your fourth, the guy who's in a four-way tie for your favorite player in Meet the Players is Ron Karkovice. And I'm going to need you to uh, explain that to me. I don't know. Like Ron Karkovice, the when I was younger playing baseball, I was a catcher. Um, so like, I kind of, I loved goalies in hockey and I loved catchers in baseball. So like all of my favorite players were catchers, you know, I'd always know the catcher on your team. Like, you know, Dan Wilson, like sign me up. Like, you know, like mm-hmm. I was watching, I'm like Mike Matheny, terrible dude, great catcher. You know? <laughs> like, um, <clears throat> but like, so they were always my favorite players. So like to watch Ron Karkovice is just like this monster of a man. You didn't know how old he was. He he could have been 50. He could like, as a kid, like, I don't know. Um, but just to watch him play amongst all those guys and hold his own, like, all right, he's like, all right, that's going to be me. I'm going to be, you know, the starting catcher of the White Sox one day. And, um, really, uh, forgotten, like not really respected. Like he was much better than, uh, you know, we remember him being, I think if you look back, his numbers, uh, were, were metrics more of a thing at the time, mm-hmm. you know, like what did we, if we looked past stuff like mm-hmm. batting average and RBIs, like I think um, he would be a lot more respected, great all around uh, baseball player. Yeah. He especially stands out because the White Sox catching situation, not that that's the only position, but certainly catching, yeah. it hasn't been strong. I mean, you know, AJ, you can, you can wave the flag for, but not really as a catcher. He was competent. I get Wiley. And, that's uh, a, and that was a gift, you know, like if AJ wasn't a jerk, he'd still be playing for your biggest rival in Minnesota, you know, because he was plenty talented enough, you know, like he helped that team. It win was game. a gift. He just couldn't deal with him, you know. Yeah, <laughs> yeah I, Dan Wilson, the only eventual major leaguer I ever played against in high school. So whenever Dan Wilson's mentioned, it's a rule. I have to ring the bell and say, hey, you know what? I played against Barrington High Schools. Yeah, we had a uh, we had a nickname for Dan Wilson, and I don't know where it came from. We used to call him Ultimate Dan Wilson. Me and my brothers, like Ultimate Dan Wilson. No way I knew where it came from. But like, <laughs> fit him very well. Did not have a bad career. Played for quite a while, uh, and so you got to tip your hat to guys like uh, you know Karkovice didn't really have. Did he even play after the White Sox? I know he didn't really have much of a career after the White Sox. He not really. Did, no, so I, I mean, think he kind of he petered off really fast. But you know the, those guys back then, like uh, it was before any kind of care for the catchers. Like you're you just couldn't walk anymore. You know right. now the knee savers and different right. techniques to stay healthy and different stretching. And like, they've, they've come a long way. It's still a really rough job, but like you use the catch, you know, Karkovice was catching, you know, 150 games, you know, 155 games a yeah. year. Like um, those guys just did it until they fell apart um, at the time. Right. 
and you can't hold Carlton Fisk as a standard who's like biking four no, miles yeah. after he catches a game. So, I mean, you know, to hold to that. It's always going to be, right. yeah, there's always going to be the freaks of nature, but like most catchers yeah. like had, you know, n- notoriously shorter careers just because yeah. it was so tough back then. Yeah. Okay. Ozzie Guillen, uh, the next statue at Sox Park. And again, I'm going to need an explanation because um, he's still talking as long, until you can mute him. I, I wonder how that's going to uh, play out, but you think he's just got enough folk hero status stemming out of 2005 and now being sort of looming over the team constantly uh, post game that uh, he could uh, find his way uh, to be cast in uh, bronze or whatever. Yeah, I think so. I think uh, he kind of ticks all the boxes of like, He's been a fixture of the White Sox organization in several roles, you know, kind of like a Hawk Harrelson type, like where he touched, you know, for many things. Cause like, obviously he brought a championship here, which is huge. Like, you know, doesn't happen, (laughs) you know, (laughs) barely make the playoffs, let alone win championships. Like his contribution just off the field has been good. You know, I feel like uh, we just saw Ken Rosenthal kind of uh, get pushed to the side by the MLB for telling too much of the truth. And I feel like Ozzy, it's kind of can tell too much of the truth sometimes about this White Sox team, but I think they kind of expect that from him and, you know, uh, allow him to speak his mind a little more than other people would. But then I think the lost part is I think people forget how good Ozzy was. Ozzy was very, very good at baseball, like, you know, rookie of the year right off the bat. Um, had he played on some, you know, some uh, teams that had a little more success, you know, the, maybe if they don't get, uh blocked out themselves, you know, in 94, yeah. like maybe Ozzy's yeah. a little bit more well-known, but um, I think people kind of didn't really even pay attention to him league-wide. Um, I think until the championship in 2005, like I think he's got more not- notoriety from that, but like he was a very, very good uh, player. And I think um, all around resume, I think is a good fit for something, something at the, st- uh, the stadium for sure, just to remember him. Yeah. Smart guy. You don't, you, you think the way he, he so freely speaks that that maybe isn't the case because he's much louder when it comes to some interesting takes. And sometimes you could even argue dumb takes, but clearly incredibly smart guy who is playing the game and watching the game as a manager, mm. if not his whole career, certainly as his career was winding down. And it seemed like it was a, oh, it turned out to be a great fit. I would love to know the inside story about NBC or Comcast, or whatever it was at the time uh, saying to the White Sox, Hey, you know what? We think we're going to start bringing Ozzy in to talk after games. I'd love to know that exchange because I'm guessing knowing the White Sox, they probably weren't thrilled to begin with because they're not really, they don't subscribe to the any attention is good attention. Uh, Yeah. And literally like, yeah, the the one thing you could hold against him is you don't know what he's going to say. That's why he hasn't supposedly got a managerial job, but like, all right, let's hire him to only do the press conference portion (laughs) of the job. All right. He's good at taking hits. You know, he's not necessarily yeah. going to throw too many guys on the bus unless they really do, unless it's very targeted and surgical. Yeah. yeah, so I think his personality um, kind of overshadows him both as a ball player and as a manager. I think he was very good. He's a very, yeah, very, definitely a very smart baseball guy. Um, yeah, and I think um, I think history will be kind to him as far as uh, White Sox fandom, for sure. Um, and I think, I don't think anybody would really have a problem yeah. with uh, him having a statue yeah. out there, you know, yeah. in uh, the outfield. Yeah. We talk so much about the Cuban connection because it's, it's hot, it's happening. It's going to be happening with Oscar Colossa any, any moment now. Uh, but Hey, let's face it. He's, he's sort of the third peg in the great tradition. The White Sox have had of Venezuelan yeah. shortstops. Chico Carascal, Luis Aparicio to. Yeah. He loves this city too. Like he's, he never left, you know, like he's as a house, he's had a house here since he, uh, you know, retired as a player. Like his kids mm-hmm. played in Cicero, like, you know, in little league. So like he just loved it here and uh, his family is instilled in this uh, area. Yeah. And, you know, yeah, I remember the time uh, covering at the time, you know, when he was sort of talking his way out of town and, you know, people would ask like, well, you know, you know, would you leave? Or, you know, he's like, no, I just, I mean, I think he had just like bought his place like that <laughs> yeah. year as he was like technically possibly going, I mean, that could have just been a, 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 a flex where it's like, you're not going to get rid of me because I just bought a you know big house here and I'm in Chicago. But, uh, you know, uh, clearly he was never really going to get too far away from Chicago. Because no, yeah. Place, you know. Exactly. Like he just, I don't think he was uh, even looking for a coaching job. I think it kind of just came on, you know, like, you know, that managerial job came out of nowhere, kind of like, you know, the Robin Ventura kind of came out of yeah. nowhere. Like, hey. you know. Adrian, uh, Cito Gaston was a guy. And, you know, after they won the World Series, he came into the interview hungover. 
uh, and yelled at Kenny Williams because he was yeah. angry that uh, it seemed to be that it maybe was just a um, place marker okay. type of interview. You yeah. know, let's get you one. <laughs> I would, I want to meet the boss who will hire me for getting angry at them. But one day, you know, it might still happen for one of us, maybe Adrian, for one of us. Um, okay. I have to seize on this because it doesn't come up very often. I get, there's like three major leagues for every natural. So I have to seize on the fact that someone chooses as their favorite baseball movie, my favorite baseball movie. And I think in your meet the players, you acknowledge that of course it's not a perfect movie. None are certainly no baseball movie is, but uh, tell me a little bit about what appeals uh, to you about the natural, which really puts it on top of a fairly crowded field of, of decent baseball movies. Yeah. I mean, there's definitely a lot of movies that have broached the subject, but something about the natural as somebody who grew up playing baseball and loving baseball and like something about watching Robert Redford in that movie, like the baseball felt real. Um, something about it, like they captured the magic or the, you know, the atmosphere of the game, I think in a way, that a lot of movies don't uh, a lot of movies kind of i don't know they it's what is annoying and lovable about baseball you know this mystique and this energy around the game that moves at its own pace and there's like the summer and the you know the outdoors and i just think that like they did a great job of the way it was shot and the, you know the costuming and everything and the music and the soundtrack is just really well put together and there's something about that movie that all comes together if you can kind of ignore you know the weird wounds and bleeding and all the other stuff that comes with it. you know there's some there's some weird stuff but they were trying to uh you know get some intrigue too but if you just take it as a baseball movie there's some really good um it captures that feel of like summertime mm-hmm. and baseball i think very well if you like the movie, I think you overlook the fact that it, com- it combines these two because I think it combines these two things perfectly. Obviously, the fantastic, uh, mm-hmm. you know, the over-the-top moments, which of course could never happen. You know, I get it. Okay, but then also, as you you hit it, I don't think there's many more, especially something that's not like a straight bio, like uh, forty-two or maybe sixty-one, something that really is just supposed to tell the story. Because you know, back in the old days, they didn't even do that very well. Um, but even you know, you may even take the baseball action in forty-two and put it up against the natural because. That's something that seemed uh, really strikes you as realistic. These guys look like they could play. It's not, you know, Ray Liotta trying to, you know, batting right-handed because he, he just couldn't look, he, he didn't look right batting left-handed uh, as Joe Jackson in Field of Dreams. Uh, and if you're willing to, you know, re- to me, it's just those two parts come together fine. And, and you know, it makes it magical. The stuff that's fantastic makes it makes it magical. And I know, I understand that's me rooting for the movie. And some people might turn on and say, oh, this is preposterous. I hate it. It's, it's, you know, it's wrong. You know, whatever. I don't know why they're, yeah. they're, they're traveling on trains. I don't know. But uh, to me, it really combines those things well. And if the, if the, if the baseball wasn't realistic, including Robert Rever playing ball at, I think he's pushing 50 in this movie, mm-hmm. but he's definitely older and he should be playing. Um, and yet coming across very naturally, uh, throwing, swinging uh, his movements on the field, uh, which could have obviously just, you know, tanked it and made it hollow right out of the bat, right off the bat. Yeah. Yeah. Believability, I think, was important. But then, yeah, that, that fantastical, magical baseball thing, like, you know, that's how we describe the plays that we remember, you know, like that Scotty Potts thing feels like the natural to me, you know, like Tim Anderson literally lived it out this season, yeah. you know, with his walk off. Like, so like, I think like that ineffable quality that baseball has as a sport kind of uh, on display at the highest level, I think in that movie. Yeah. If you can just kind of like take a step back and say like, all right, yeah, it's not the most realistic at times and it's a little weird, but like, just take it for what it is. And I think it's hard to argue with that being the best baseball movie of all time. And, and, you know, pops in red alone. I mean, it's like, okay, these guys could be managing, you know, or those personalities, personalities could be in the dugout. Uh, today, I thought that stuff rang really true. It was, it was funny and, and you know, and Strike, charming. What is it? striking out Babe Ruth, like one of the the better uh, attempts at a caricature of uh, Babe Ruth. Yeah, is in, yeah um, it's an interesting scene altogether. A little less femme fatale for me. It would have been even more perfect movie, yeah. but uh, less, yeah, you know, less murder mystery ish. But yeah, uh, you know, okay, you know, we get it. You know, I got the magic tree and the lightning bolt that's fine (laughs) yeah does it have to be the girl too come on all right uh okay well now that we've agreed uh and now that we've proven uh mathematically uh adrian the the natural is the best baseball movie i think it's a good time to take a break we're gonna uh talk a little bit more about what's going on 
in the world uh, in the second half and specifically with the White Sox in baseball. So you've been waiting for that. If you've been waiting now um, one month and 30 minutes for that, it's coming right after the break. Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from Blue Nile. From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need it fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you're here in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is not as uh, simple as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened up so many more doors. The show is called The The Deal. Deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. Hey, White Sox fans. My name is Brett Valentini. I'm lucky enough to host the Southside Sox podcast. Yes, they brought us back for yet another season. It is episode 78 or number one for 2022. And I'm lucky enough to be joined with, oh, well, I've already said it. I was going to say one of my favorite, but no, just my favorite staff member here at Southside Sox. It's, it's the five tool player, otherwise known as Adrian Serrano. Uh, and we've learned a little bit about him in the first half. Uh, you can also read uh, about him and his uh, path to fandom in the Meet the Players. It's running along with this Meet the Players podcast. But uh, let's creep a little bit toward, well, I guess where we left off the baseball season. But first of all, uh, I guess, unfortunately, Adrian, the baseball season is called into question on a number of fronts. Uh, Soxfest was apparently postponed months, weeks ago because of health concerns at a time where they didn't seem to be realistic. And that seemed to be code for labor strife. But unfortunately, at this point, if it had been on and there was no labor situation, Saxfest might have been uh, pulled back or turned off or changed because we have a health situation again uh, that's a challenge. You are back in school, uh, a student uh, again. That's impacting you as it's impacting everyone to some degree. But uh, how's everything been going with uh, wave uh, five or six of all of this? And now, as you already have alluded, the uh, bitter cold that's forcing you even further indoors than you might normally be. Uh, how are you hanging in there? Yeah, it's uh, it's the never-ending uh, waves. But yeah, no, at the, at the time, we all kind of saw the writing on the wall that this is definitely like, well, I'm just not going to pay this money for this uh, <laughs> this Sox Fest. Um, but yeah, I don't. It, at this point now, like it worked out that it's not happening because it definitely wouldn't have happened. So. Um, Tickets still on sale. The MLB uh, has not talked to the Players Association in any substantial way since uh, the lockout began, but uh, Camelback Ranch is open for business, so like you can buy your tickets at your own risk. Like I don't know how tough it's going to be to get a refund after that. Like I waited, uh, I think it took a good like four weeks to say. get my money back for the playoff <laughs> tickets that didn't happen. So like uh, I mean. If you have it, go for it. If you yeah, don't, knowing, like, that, knowing that, dive in, people, because it's going to come back really quick. Yeah, I'm, 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 th- I'm looking at May first. Maybe at the end, of the, we got the March Madness for the NCAA going a little later this year because they're starting late. Um, you know, maybe we can get people in by May if they start talking by February. You know, but I just can't see them agreeing to some kind of protracted spring training and having the risks of injury again like they did last time. You know, especially as yeah. Uh, you know, Omicron keeps moving through, it's going to definitely affect any kind of uh, situation where they get a bunch of guys together at camp. So, um, yeah, I don't even know the nuts and bolts of it after they agree on whatever they can agree on um, is interesting. Um, And then hearing guys like, uh, you know, Max Scherzer is a a representative uh, for the players and to hear him kind of like change the dialogue a little bit for the first time and start talking about uh, teams like the White Sox, you know, dangling these big contracts in front of players that haven't played before in the major leagues and saying like, Hey, you sign this, you could be in the major leagues tomorrow. Otherwise you're going to keep playing in the minors for, you know, peanuts and, you know, using their dreams of playing in the major leagues as kind of a leverage against them, you know, 
Um, so that's kind of the first time I've heard that really like brought up in a, mm -hmm. a public forum for as a real thing. We talk, we always talk about the, you know, the extra years of control on the contract, but they, this is the first time they've kind of also attacked the other side. Like, no, it's more complicated than that. You know, this, the owners are taking advantage of the players in multiple ways. Um, so it's a lot of stuff to still get through. And, uh, you know, I still am confident. I'm hopeful that we'll have baseball this year, but how long and when it starts, uh, and it's anybody's guess right now. The, uh, the issue too, that's frustrating is knowing that some guys, some guys didn't seem like there was a problem at all with, um, in terms of their ability to just sort of groove right back into baseball, even in 2020 with that weird 60 game season. Mm -hmm. And particularly last year where you're still, you're still got some of the effects, I think for some guys, pitchers in particular, we kept hearing the, the talk about, uh, the time away and the time away from that real competition in 2020 have for some guys bleeding into 2021. So 2022 was going to be the year, you know, health and all that our pandemic, you know, willing uh, where we're going to see guys like more in that groove, even going down into the minor leagues, they didn't mm -hmm. have a chance. To, most of those guys didn't even have a chance to really play anything unless you're calling the car shield collegiate league, you know, legitimate ball, which, you know, it is better than nothing. But um, the fact that now, uh, <laughs> I guess, pandemic looms, but let's just pretend that will not be an issue in terms of at least playing games, that there could be a labor situation that now is going to create, you know, just going to throw another uh, a wrench in the spoke of what we're just trying to get like normal baseball rolling again from, from the 2020 uh, it's frustrating because it's like, okay, when are these guys going to finally feel like they have their feet on this like 2023. Uh, and, you know, now you're talking about eating into um, a significant portion of the so-called, uh, you know, white Sox window. And that's, that's frustrating as well, just in this practical sense. Yeah. Yeah. That, I think that's a big part of it. The, the minor leaguers finally got kind of a full season this last year to kind of get back going again. And then if you take away a chunk or, you know, most of the season again, you know, you're kind of as the league trends younger and younger and they don't want to pay the older guys because the older guys are getting paid more. Like you don't know what you have in, in these prospects because like, you know, you can't really, you know, look at any of the, especially the pitchers you've had, like some of the higher pitcher prospects in the, the White Sox uh, organization struggled this year, you know? Um, but like, you clearly can't say anything, you know, I don't mean anything definitive yeah. because like, well, they just haven't had time, you know, like, like normally they would have had two full seasons under their belt. You would have a better idea, but now you're coming in, having seen them for one season off of a really weird time. And now maybe not again for a long time, or you've seen them at an offsite center. Like it's just a lot of uh, tough decisions out there um and the minor leaguers continue to kind of take the brunt of it and we we try and be good about caveats too because it's like yeah all right this is the you know especially when we're talking about the younger guys the the matthew thompson's the jared kelly's and the drew dahlquist's of the organization to say okay well now realize this is such a weird situation plus this is like for all of these guys it was their first mm -hmm. professional season but you know that doesn't dovetail with the nature of the game or the way the game has ever been and and today there's more scrutiny than ever i mean you've got attention paid to these guys whereas in the past you know not that there wasn't minor league coverage but uh, there's more eyes on these guys than ever and the projections and the value and the, the yeah. trade chip value. So, I mean, it's, it's, you can sort of pat a guy on the back and say, okay, you know, don't worry, you know, that's a wash We you know, mulligan it. Okay. 2022 is going to be different. And yeah, that's true. And that's what you have to do, but there's no way to get away from the fact that there's still prospect rankings and there's still, you're still looking over yeah. your shoulder. That's always been part of the game. Uh, so, you know, doubly frustrating that, that really all, all of the White Sox pitching, um, took off uh, 2021, uh, all the starters. And, uh, you know, it, it has to wear on them a little bit. You you want to put it out there, especially these guys. I can say that at my age, these guys are, you know, Jared Kelly's not a high school. I mean, I, you know, yeah. how is he going to have the mental strength to be able to, he ha he's going to have to, but you don't talk about challenges that have nothing to do with, uh, you know, release point, your fastball or, you know, consistent motion. Uh, this yeah. is a whole other wrinkle that none of these guys, you know, none of these guys wanted or asked for. And it was just visited on them. Yeah. These are all very tough things to navigate when everything's running normally, you know, to go from high school straight to a professional baseball environment where everything's moving faster. The degree of difficulty is up. The margin for error is down. Like everything is also just really um, 
kind of unprecedented at the moment, you know, like we just, like it just hasn't happened in this way before we've had some labor stoppages before, but not with everything else um, that came with it. So I think, yeah. So the guys like Jared Kelly, like you don't really know what, you know, is going on yet. Cause you don't know what he was trying to do. You don't know what he was working on, but what they had him trying to change or um, then the injury came in. Um, So, yeah. So trying to get that, especially for a team like the White Sox, which is trying to decide what they want to do with, uh, Lucas Giolito coming up, um, you know, like they would feel a little different if they knew they had a couple guys coming up in the, you know, the minors that like they felt really good about. But right now they have some guys that like, I'm sure they're still high on, but like, we just don't know. Yeah. Hey, Adrian, speaking of Lucas Giolito, there was a little bit of offseason. Well, actually, there was a lot of offseason because the owners, before deciding to say, hey, we can't pay these guys, decided to pay, what was it, like $1.5 trillion or a billion? I don't even know what it was. It was a lot of money all compressed right before the lockout to, to mm-hmm. get a bunch of guys playing. And some some free agents had stated out there, hey, listen, I want to know where I'm playing before. So I'm go- I am definitely going to sign before this lockout just so I know I want, I need that knowledge. Other guys, maybe with a little more bravado or, or maybe couldn't choose, didn't get the right offer yet, all waiting for the Yankees to call, uh, you know, haven't. But um, the White Sox, I think, I mean, we've been off a while, but I think the White Sox technically participated in the offseason. They were allowed to, I think. Uh, I think the so-called seed at the table or kids table, they were at the table. But uh, did they uh, do much? Were you impressed by their mini uh, offseason? Does it bode? And does it bode well for when the shackles are thrown back off again, whether it's in July or in January? Uh, how's your feeling about the way this team is going to shape for 2022, presuming we're going to have a 2022? I mean, they acted in a way that I think we can all say that we expected. We thought that maybe they were going to wait it out and, you know, kind of shop for some bargains after the lockout ends. Um, Kendall Graveman's a great pitcher um, added to the bullpen. Um, another ground ball pitcher with uh, Aaron Bummer. With So now with Bummer, Graveman and Keuchel, who's still on the team um, and probably will be for at least this year. Um, they have three of the top 10, you know, ground ball pitchers in baseball, basically. Um, we'll see if they actually shift to, to benefit <laughs> that. But um, that's, you know, definitely a plus, a plus in their uh, thing. Um, not making an offer yet on Radon was interesting. Um, you know, the there's still some questions, but like it's kind of an you can't get, you got to give him at least an incomplete, you know, like, I don't know. There's a lot of things moving still. Is Kimbrough going to be here? Is he not going to be here? Um, it's going to be, people still want to kind of try to throw Keuchel everywhere, you know, trade Keuchel to everybody. But like, that's a really tough to trade because anybody who wants, anybody who's trading for Keuchel thinks Keuchel is going to rebound and be pretty good. But as soon as Keuchel hits 160 innings this year, then he's guaranteed that next year. And, you know, he's hit 160 innings every year except for 2017. <laughs> um, and, I mean, obviously he didn't hit in 2020, but that's because it was only 60-game season. But, like, he pitched every – you know, he didn't miss any starts that game, year either. So, like, if he's healthy, he's going to hit that. So, like, you're talking about trying to trade two years of 16 million and I think 22 or 23 million for that last year. Mm-hmm. So, like, that's a huge deal to try to get moved, and I don't think they're going to be able to do it. So now you're asking – either Keuchel or Kopech to basically jump a good like two and a half war or something up in this, in this season, just to replace what they lost in Radon, like how good he was. Um, and that's a lot to ask out of Kopech for sure. I think Kopech has the talent to do it, but as a guy who just doesn't have the innings built up, like I don't know what kind of inning limit he's going to be on. Uh, maybe that's a benefit to the White Sox if it's a shortened season because you don't have to worry about those inning limits for Kopech and you can go full out and let him go, uh, you know, and not worry about it. But, like, I worry about Kopech in a situation like we're down this last season who had a very similar last couple of years as far as pitches go ramping up to a bunch of pitches and then really hitting a wall at the end of the year and not being as uh, successful. So. Um, there's definitely still a lot of questions. We don't know what's going on in right field. Um, second base might be Leary, might not be. I mean, basically anytime any, uh, buddy is on the trade block, Jeff McNeil is the new guy that everybody wants. Um, add him to the list of, uh, with Michael Conforto is, you know, Mets and former Mets that, um, everybody wants, but I still think they signed a right fielder. It seemed like Rickon was kind of 
hinting at signing somebody big. I know our guy, uh, James Fox still thinks that they have one signing in them. Um, and I guess it depends on if Kimbrough's going to get moved or not, you know, how big of a signing that is. But, you know, for Michael Conforto, if you're going to end up paying 19, 20 million for him, like, well, maybe kick the tires on a Chris Bryant, you know, seems to make a lot of sense for them at, you know, 23, 24 million a year, you know? So like, it's not a huge jump for a guy that like, uh, Conforto really hits, uh, you know, as a left-hander, he hits them right-handers well, but he doesn't hit left-handers very well. Like Chris Bryant hits both pretty well, you know? So like, and the positional flexibility, like just makes a lot more sense to me to, if I'm going to spend that money to spend it on somebody that's a little more well-rounded, um, but yeah, we'll have to see. Um, I think they'll do something, um, but they definitely still have some question marks and how the team is going to, uh, you know, go their second year under Tony and how Tony might do some adjustments and, you know, we'll, we'll have to see how that all shakes out. You know, they're all definitely saying the right things, but like, I'll definitely like to see some more shifting, um, especially if you're going to have these guys throwing ground balls, you know, unless you want to see a lot more of that Astros series with uh, little bleeders through killing you all day. I am going to, I sign me up for the Adrian Serrano GM plan. Chris Bryant <laughs> makes a lot of sense to me. I'm not wowed at all by Michael Conforto, but we're just, that, that's the level that we're, uh, we will feel lucky to get, which is just mm-hmm. a sad low Mark Grayman's a great ad, but okay. Uh, Kopech and Keichel, uh, for the reasons you've already outlined, are going to basically combine to take one rotation spot, maybe a little one plus. So now, you now unlike even last year, you've got a complete uh, uh, empty space in the number five spot, and there's no one to take it right now. Yeah, um, I mean, it's probably going to be uh, Reynaldo, who looked really good, and I'm, you know, I can't, I can't I'm a Reynaldo truther also. <laughs> like, I mean, I'm, I'm rooting for him. I've been mm-hmm. rooting for him. He's had this stuff. Uh, his stuff is every bit as good as Dylan Cease's stuff, but he's just never been able to put it together. Uh, he's I like Dylan Cease. When he's bad, he throws way too many pitches and doesn't uh, finish people off. So um, it'll be interesting to see, but, like, you know, that's – you can't say that that's not a weaker rotation coming in than, uh, you know, it was this last year. Um, even though you didn't know you were going to get that from Radon, you knew Radon was a, uh, a major league pitcher when he's healthy. Yeah. you know, people are going to say, geez, lighten up, Brett, lighten up a little bit, Adrian. And, you know, gosh, we're talking about the fifth starter. What? And true. Yeah. Okay. If we're quibbling out the fifth starter, you know, we're in a good position, but we know we're in a good position. If you're looking at a team that's going to aspire yeah. to a world series, all right, you gotta you you gotta turn the heat up and say, yeah, maybe you should have fifth star exactly, because yeah. that's, that's the problem we're is coming at it from a. Go ahead. Yeah, we're, I mean, we're assuming, uh, you know, of course, along with this, Lucy Lucas gets his thirty plus uh, starts. Uh, Dylan uh, Lance Lynn, a guy who ran who who has an interesting um, physical you know appearance and did run into a, a little bit of injury that maybe even he dragged into the playoff series, uh, despite his incredible season better than I think any of us could have hoped for. Uh, I mean, that's assuming all those guys get their 30 plus starts, uh, you know, any, any crack there. Now we're looking at, you know, a, a rotation spot plus that needs to be filled with, I mean, the problem is nothing. They have nothing right now to bring up Jimmy Lambert. Okay. Jimmy yeah. Lambert's been a spot start guy when you, you know, for a double header. Um, they have nobody to take a, you know, in the system to take a rotation spot. And they haven't proven terribly adept at either making sure they have some of those vet arms just sort of there. And when they do choose them, it's, you know, it's Irvin, Irvin Santana. It's, it's uh, Manny Banuelos, uh, you know, which, you know, don't work out. You know, Ivan Nova is like their best, you know, mm. like um, sort of scrap armed to eat some innings you know, uh, maybe in the Han, you know, era, I know there's been a couple others, but recently, I mean, you want to stack as much as you can, you know, with a, with a few of those guys, you know, hungry, <laughs> White Sox are good to get in the Billy Hamilton's like, and, and, you know, they have like six outfielders like ready to play. In yeah, the that's, that uh, pitching. Ugh. And that's kind of what it is. It's definitely not coming from a place of like, oh man, the White Sox are going to struggle, you know, with the team. Like they're not going to struggle. They're going to win plenty of games. Their division is still, is their division will be improved, but their division is still not going to be very good. Yeah. So, like, they're going to win, you know, a, a percentage of games that maybe they shouldn't uh, sometimes. Um, so it's just when you have this group of talented young guys under control, it's hard to not, uh, 
go all in. And that's just going to always be the struggle with, you know, being a White Sox fan and rooting for this team is that they'll pay a little bit sometimes every now and again, but they're never going to go all in. For those of you who said, okay, uh, learning about Adrian Serrano's White Sox fandom is great and talking about baseball when no baseball is going on and I'm just angry at baseball and I don't even want to read Southside Sox. I'm so angry. I'm not going to provide traffic to them because I'm just mad. Plus they were away for a month. So screw them. But we're very interested in hearing a little bit about music. Your time has come in our final moments here. We're going to catch up a little bit. With Adrian's band, it is the Burst and Bloom. Tell me a little bit about this band. Have you even gotten to play much or if at all, be it getting together for rehearsing or actually getting out and playing during this whole pandemic era, which is now getting to be a pretty big chunk of a band's life? Yeah, so uh, we played one show in uh, February of 2020, right before everything shut down. Um and then didn't play probably for like a year. Didn't even get together. Like, so like, like a lot of people, like this pandemic has killed a lot of bands. <laughs> a city of 10,000 bands. Like we've lost a lot of them, you know, like it's, uh, so we haven't fully disintegrated yet, but uh, doing rehearsals and stuff, but only played one show just in that small window in the summer when uh, things were kind of okay. Seems like so yeah. seems like we're at least like, <laughs> trending in a decent direction even though it wasn't all perfect but like so we got one show in and then uh everything's kind of already starting to get uh a lot of postponements of things going on right now or full full out cancellations and it's just really tough on a lot of my friends uh, that i have in the uh the industry that work at venues and work at bars and uh great music scene one of my favorite things about chicago is uh the really eclectic and friendly music scene that we have um so yeah it's not not great out there just trying to stay busy trying to you know play music where i can and uh uh, keep going and hopefully at some point we'll get a little you know breath of air out of this uh oppressive covid environment uh we are linking in the podcast post here i promise if you click adrian's band link you will not see a construction uh uh, it's not under construction you will get to see information and maybe hear a little bit from the burst and bloom i promise we will we would not send you to a dead link so check that out too that's a link on this podcast and uh you know hey listen i guess it's more than five tools because you know if we need him to sing for the site uh or play for the site he's gonna do it too but artist humorist analyst uh rabble rouser tweeter um the question i haven't even asked that i guess we will i'm sorry we're pulling you back to south side Sox talk after the music all you people just waited for the music now i pulled the rug out from under you i want to know adrian when i got in touch with you to say hey let's do some south side Sox together what was what was your reaction uh my reaction was kind of like i just kind of hit a point in my life where i you know like like I said, I worked in print for a while and decided like, oh, it's too stressed. It's like, I got to get out of this stress. Like it's just a stress bubble. Uh, I went and worked at a guitar store in the city, Chicago Music Exchange for a minute. Um, then the pandemic hit, got laid off from that job and decided to what to do next. I'm like, you know, I'm just going to go back to school and, um, you know, going for digital media and GIS and just kind of trying to tap into that creative side of me whenever I can. So like White Sox Twitter kind of came for me when I didn't know that I needed it. And it was kind of a weird uh, group of people that like uh, just, I immediately, you know, had a rapport with. So, um, you know, when you contacted me, I'm like, you know, it makes a lot of sense. Like I've been looking to try to start writing again. Like I didn't really know what I wanted to do. I didn't know what my voice was going to be. So like, like I said, I've just been kind of in the mode of uh, grabbing strings as I feel uh, inspired to do something i just kind of do that so if it's writing or if it's art or if it's music or you know whatever it is so like um you've been very gracious in kind of giving me a little bit of a free run to like whatever my weird uh, brain wants to put out there like you're pretty on board with me uh giving it a go so um whether it be poetry or uh writing about uh gavin sheets ghost costume passed down through generations of his family like it's all uh, it's all on the table, and that's a it's a great place to be as a creator and a creative type. To uh, you know, maybe the maybe the podcast theme song is next. I don't know. We'll uh, see. Yeah. Whatever uh, we yeah. got to. 
whatever we have in the tank, you know, it's always one day away. Speaking of, I've heard word on the street. There are whispers. The offbeat off season is coming back. I believe Adrian Serrano is going to play a role. So stay tuned. Uh, not linked here because it's not ready yet, but oh, it's coming. It's going to be fun. No, we do have a little bit more of that stuff in the can, even though we're trying to roll out our normal stuff like prospect countdown and vote and, and stuff yeah, like that. Our usual off-season. hard to get like when you don't know there's going to be a season, it's hard to really get excited about who the top prospect in the system is. Um, but you know, it's definitely stuff still on the back burner. You want to talk about it, but uh, it's. Hopefully we start to get some good news. Hopefully we'll uh, get some talks at least going to have some stuff to discuss. Um, and, 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 and if we don't, we'll just lean a little bit more into the weird, Adrian. Might as well. Yep. We got to do I'm, something. That's what I'm here for. Excellent. Well, all right. Um, my um, my uh, deputy of weird, that's Adrian Serrano, our five-tool player, six-tool, seven-tool, whatever it is, depending on what we're going to call him for music. That is his Meet the Players podcast. This is number 78. We are going to wind it down now. Thank you very much, Adrian, for taking so much time and pulling back the Absolutely. crew. Let us know a little bit about Adrian Serrano, the artist, the writer, the White Sox fan. <laughs> Yeah, every everything about yeah, everything about uh, White Sox fandom is uh, pretty pretty decent right now. Some weird, uh, there's some bad weird, but uh, overall, I think it's a good group of a uh, good group of weirdos, and I'm excited to hopefully get out to the ballpark uh, this year. Yeah, it seems like if there was news to talk about, things would be uh, at least uh, uh, intermittently uh, nastier. But yeah, you're right. There's just not enough to get too fired up about. So I guess in some ways that's a good thing. And that means all us um, normals, uh, parenthetically weirdos, can sort of take over and establish the tone. And I think that's what's happened. So it's been a pleasant, chilly, but pleasant uh, off season. So all we need is no more baseball. And White Sox Twitter is going to be just the best thing ever. Awesome. Uh, All right. Well, uh, uh, check out the Meet the Players if you haven't read it already. Uh, And hey, coming soon, Offbeat Adrian Serrano is going to be back. Hey, listen, the SB Nation said, all right, slow down, save some for 2022 too. And Adrian said, okay, yeah, yeah, yes, sir, boss. And so now, hey, calendar's turned. Uh, he's ready to to get weird again. So uh, uh, we welcome it and uh, look for that from Adrian. And, you know, I'll, I'll pitch in as well. Uh, thanks, Adrian, for joining me here. Thanks, everybody, for, oh, hey, listen, you remember we had a podcast. I'm glad you're listening. Uh, I'm glad you, some of you, a few of you who aren't on strike against us are actually reading uh, Keep That Traffic Going because we like to do this for you. And uh, we like to see more of you in the comments and giving us ideas, things to write about in the middle of a winter that's a little too cold. But thanks. As always, we wouldn't be here if not for all of you reading, listening, and sometimes even watching. Thank you for joining us for Southside Sox Podcast 78. On behalf of my best White Sox and Southside Sox buddy, Adrian Serrano, I'm Brett Valentini. And you know what? We're going to be back at you with a Meet the Players podcast probably sooner than you think. 